You're listening to Bitcoin, Blockchain and the Technologies of Our Future with Naomi Brockwell. We carry devices everywhere. They connect us with loved ones, co-workers and ultimately the entire planet. This new digital landscape is filled with people trying to monitor these activities and figure out exactly what we're doing on our devices. Do you use a phone? You have a tracking device. You make a call, it was probably intercepted. I think you should assume any communication that is electronic is being monitored. Companies create profiles of us and track us across websites for advertising reasons. Internet service providers log our actions. Governments dragnet capture everything we do online through programs like Tempura and Turmoil, or they siphon this information from the companies we interact with through programs like Prism. Via all manner of methods, the activities we engage in in the digital realm are quietly recorded and neatly stored in giant databases, creating permanent records attached to our identity. They've installed permanent installations to collect people's communications forever. But what if we don't want our communications collected? What if we don't want all of our online activity to be viewable by strangers? What can we do? Well, there is no single solution because... There is actually no agreed definition about privacy. That's right. Privacy is a spectrum. And as celebrated economist Thomas Sowell once said, There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. The trade-off for privacy is usually with convenience. Depending on your threat model, some of you might be more willing to sacrifice convenience than others. Some may abstain from digital activities altogether. Most of these people are not ready to be unplugged. Then there are privacy solutions that involve knowing how to use command line code and setting up graphene on an Android and Linux on a computer. I'll go over these setups in other videos, but for this privacy quest, I wanted to see if I could set up an anonymous Apple computer and iPhone that wasn't in any way tied to my identity. I chose Apple products because they're mainstream and the more people exploring privacy options, the better. Once you learn how your identity is tied to your devices, you can make more privacy conscious choices. So is an anonymous Apple device even possible? Let's find out. First step, buying your new devices. Your first instinct, like mine, might be to go to the Apple Store online and order what you want. But to purchase online, you have to hand over all manner of sensitive information, delivery address, email for receipt, credit card information. The reason this matters is because you're not buying generic machines that are interchangeable. Your phone has a unique IMEI, which stands for International Mobile Equipment Identity, and your computer has a unique MAC address, which stands for Media Access Control Address. These are specific identifiers, and the store knows the exact IMEI or MAC address of the device they're selling you. So if you've provided your credit card number, home address or email, you've immediately tied your identity to these new devices. So instead, I went to a store in person and paid using cash. I'd never noticed how much personal information the store attendees take down just in the process of small talk until privacy became my concern. It turns out just to purchase a computer or phone can be an invitation to a pretty hardcore interrogation. Hi, can I help you with anything? My conversation went something like this. A brand new MacBook, eh? 
Personal or work use? Neither. I both. And you made an appointment, right? An appointment? What's your Apple ID? Do I have to submit one? First and last name. I'm not sure that's necessary. Email? I prefer not to give it. You don't mind me asking, what do you do for a living? Something generic and unsuspicious. Let me connect your work to your profile. You might get a group discount. Oh, that does sound... Oh, almost got me. Where do you live? Oh, wow. Credit or debit? Cash. Married? What? Single? Divorce? <laughs> You're breaking your mother's heart. If you manage to purchase your devices with cash without handing over any specific information about yourself, you're doing great. Thanks so much. Email for receipt. S-A-T-O, uh, I see what you did there. A printed copy will be fine, thanks. It was kind of a big deal to opt out of an emailed receipt. The store assistant literally wrote opt out on their tablet like I was at a TSA screening and warned me of the dangers of a physical receipt because it could be lost and couldn't be replaced. They really do try their darndest to tie these devices to you somehow. Now let's go back to the idea of privacy as a spectrum. For the more hardcore privacy folk, you might be concerned about the cameras in store and the cameras in the parking lot that can see your license plate. The average American is caught on camera 238 times each week. Or you might be concerned that your old phone is in your pocket, pinging Apple's Wi-Fi and telling them who has entered. But worrying about these things is way beyond most people's privacy needs. If you purchased your new phone and new computer at the same time, keep in mind that their identity can now be tied together. You and I are joined. We joined? Please. Next step, to set up both your phone and computer, you require Wi-Fi. The moment you take them home and connect them to your home Wi-Fi, you've lost your anonymity. Privacy experts like Michael Basil recommend that you set up your devices in store before you leave Apple. I actually tried that, but the store assistant said I couldn't and politely ushered me out. Hmm. So I took my devices to a cafe where I could use their Wi-Fi. I am too smart. I am too smart. Setting up the computer, you'll want to skip the transfer of data option, disable location services, and you'll skip the part about setting up an Apple ID. You have the option to set up Touch ID or not. Apple says that your fingerprint is encrypted and stored locally on your own device, but if that still makes you uneasy, just skip the step and use your password to unlock the computer instead. Turn on FileVault disk encryption, which makes the content of your device more secure, and then we get to iCloud. iCloud backups are not encrypted. Apple had fully intended to add end-to-end -end encryption for iCloud, but in 2018, abandoned the plan because of the FBI's persuasive skills. Not their greatest moment. This means that all the contents of your device are fully accessible via these iCloud backups, including texts from iMessage, WhatsApp, and other encrypted services. So make sure the box store files from documents and desktop in iCloud is not selected. Next, disable Siri. Siri records Apple users when they have sex, when they're talking to their doctors, and when they engage in illegal activity like drug deals. According to Apple's user agreement, by using Siri, you agree and consent to Apple's and its subsidiaries and agents' transmission, collection, maintenance, processing, and use of this information, including your voice input and user data. It's probably better not to have a device listening to what you say at all times. One thing you might want to consider is setting up a VPN, which is good for 
protecting your data over public Wi-Fi, but it can also help hide your IP address if you wanted to use it at home by routing your traffic via someone else's server. But keep in mind, VPNs are not anonymous. The VPN provider sees your IP address and the websites you're visiting. Depending on your threat model, this may be fine with you. I'll go over some other tips at the end of the video, but for now, your computer is ready to use. Setting up your phone is a little more involved. First, select Set Up Manually. You can choose to set up Face ID or skip. Again, Apple says Face ID data doesn't leave your device and is never backed up to iCloud or anywhere else. But if you're still uneasy, just skip. The biggest difference between setting up this versus your computer is Apple ID. While you can bypass this on a computer and still use it fine, on an iPhone, you need an Apple ID to use the App Store and download apps for your phone. Without an Apple ID, your iPhone is basically unusable because there are no alternative stores like F-Droid that allow you to download apps from other sources. Pro tip, don't set up your Apple ID when you're first setting up your device. Instead, select do it later. This is because Apple ID requires you to add a payment method when you first set it up. But here's a neat workaround. If you try to download a free app before setting up your Apple ID, you're able to select none as your payment option. If you want to purchase paid apps later on, you can always use an App Store gift card that you purchase with cash or crypto. But keep in mind, the more apps you add to your device, the less secure it becomes. You can create a new email address directly on your device. ProtonMail and Tutanota are probably my two recommended email options, but they're not perfect. ProtonMail will require you to verify using a phone number and Tutanota won't let you create a new account using a VPN. So pick your privacy undoing poison. Choose, pick your poison. Just keep in mind that sending emails to and from your existing addresses would link this new address to you. You also have to provide a phone number. Ugh. Unfortunately, there's no way around that. I tried half a dozen different Verna number websites but got an error each time saying, number used too many times. So I bought a new prepaid SIM using cash and activated the SIM on the new phone itself over the cafe Wi-Fi. The problem with using cash for prepaid SIMs is you can't just automatically renew it, add credits, or top up with ease. These are the trade-offs with convenience that privacy advocates have to balance again and again. But your new SIM should work fine for your Apple ID. You'll also be required to add a billing address, regardless of whether you only choose to download free apps. But it turns out that writing NA or gobbledygook in every field works fine. You just need a zip code that actually exists and you're golden. Voila, two new devices that are not attached to your identity. Now, some important things to remember. If you log into an existing account on your new device, you've undone your privacy. If you connect to your home Wi-Fi and visit websites in the clear, you've undone your privacy. And you may not realize that previous Wi-Fi connections can become a fingerprint for your device. Ever wondered how your phone knows to automatically connect to your home Wi-Fi when you get home? It's because it's constantly trying to ping that home Wi-Fi whenever your Wi-Fi is turned on, no matter where you are. Now think of all the networks that your phone connects to automatically. Your work, your friend's house, that conference you went to once. Your phone travels around constantly pinging out that entire list until it eventually gets in range of one of them. That's a unique identifier for your phone. Forget all networks after using them and deselect connect automatically for each one. You should also turn off your new devices when you leave the cafe. As hardware security expert Bunny Huang once explained to me, inside of an iPhone you have several radios, you have like Wi-Fi and GPS and cellular 
cellular and Bluetooth and all these different things. Your phone constantly beams out all kinds of radio signals that can be an effective way to identify you. And finally, another privacy tip is to only have one device turned on at a time. Let's say that every time your new phone is turned on, it detects your own phone nearby, which is also turned on. This can be a way to tie that new device to your existing one. The same goes if you're traveling in a car and have both devices turned on. If they're traveling to all the same places at the same time, it's a way to tie their identities together. So keep your new devices off when you're home and just use one device at a time. If you're super concerned, you can even get a Faraday bag for when your device is not being used. You can hack a phone where it appears to be off, but it's not actually off. It's just pretending to be off. And so your phone is sitting there doing nothing, you think. Uh, but it's constantly shouting and saying, I'm here. Faraday bags can help block these potential signals and help stop devices being linked to one another. But again, it really depends on how much privacy you're looking for. It turns out that if you want to set up a truly anonymous digital device, there are all kinds of little things like this to be aware of. And even after your devices are set up, you have to stay ever vigilant because it only takes one careless mistake to undermine all your hard-earned privacy. The good news is that most of us are not Snowden or being targeted by nation states and don't need bulletproof privacy. Taking just small steps to tidy up our digital footprints actually goes a really long way. Being mindful of how we pay for things, knowing when our devices are pinging out radio signals and perhaps turning them off when we can, understanding that the apps and websites we use are creating profiles of us, so siloing certain apps or activities on separate devices. At least half the privacy battle is simply understanding how your information is being leaked. But with this knowledge, you too can start to make small changes to live a more privacy conscious lifestyle. To watch the video version of this episode, please visit Naomi Brockwell TV on YouTube, BitChute, or Library.io. Hey, I'm a Bitcoin, staring, I'm